Chapter 11 of Dr. Quintard, Chaplain, CSA, and Second Bishop of Tennessee by Charles Todd Quintard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 Personal Narrative Columbus, Georgia, and the Journey into Tennessee. When the fall of Atlanta seemed imminent, General Johnston advised me to remove my family from the city, and I decided to go to Columbus, Georgia the rector of trinity church in that town was ill and the bishop of georgia appointed me a missionary to the army at a stipend of three thousand dollars per year to be paid as long as the churches in georgia remained open and to be continued to me while i was in columbus and while the rev mr hawks rector of trinity church was ill my appointment was subsequently made that of permanent missionary to the army so in october eighteen sixty four i rented a very comfortable house two miles from town for which i paid rent in advance for nine months twenty five hundred dollars confederate money but everything seemed to be on the same generous scale for when on the sunday after my arrival i preached in trinity church the offerings for the poor amounted to one thousand dollars we met with great cordiality from all the people of the town, especially from Mr. J. Rhodes Brown, who placed me under great obligations by his kindness. We met in Columbus the musical prodigy, Blind Tom, who belonged to one of our neighbors, General Bethune. I had heard him in a public performance two years previously in Richmond. I was calling on the Bethunes one day, and on hearing my voice, Tom came into the parlor, and in the most uncouth way, paid his respects to the ladies and myself. He was not as much as usual in the humor for playing, having already spent four hours at the piano that day for the amusement of some cavalrymen who had visited him. Nevertheless, he cheerfully sat down to the piano, and gave us some delightful music, and sang us some French songs, in which his powers of mimicry were wonderfully displayed. His playing was most marvelous. It seemed as though inspired. He was then a lad of fifteen. His musical talents were exhibited in his earliest childhood. During all the month of October, I was in constant attendance upon the sick and wounded in the hospitals of Columbus and holding daily religious services in my capacity of missionary to the army. My brother-in-law, Dr. H. M. Anderson, having been ordered to Selma with the Polk Hospital, to which he was attached, spent a week with me and did much to assist me in my medical services. Greatly to my satisfaction, he afterwards received orders to report for duty to the hospitals in Columbus. One day at the Carnes Hospital, in the presence of a large number of surgeons and convalescents, I baptized an infant that day was made ever memorable by the generous donation of my friend mr j rhodes brown who handed me a thousand dollars to be appropriated to the purchase of reading matter for the army he also presented me with a pair of blankets for my own use and subsequently with three hundred yards of excellent cloth to clothe my regiment to this he thoughtfully added buttons thread and lining and three hundred pairs of socks the cloth at that time was valued at forty five dollars a yard the liberal soul shall be made fat about the middle of october general g p t beauregard assumed command of the military division east of the mississippi river including the department of tennessee and georgia commanded by general hood who however was to retain command of his department on assuming command, General Beauregard published an address to his army in excellent tone and taste, promising a forward movement. It caused great enthusiasm. 
the general was very popular with his troops and his name was a tower of strength on the eighth of november captain wickham informed me that he would leave for the army on the morrow and i immediately made my arrangements to accompany him leaving columbus on a freight train after a long and wearying journey we reached montgomery alabama and found accommodations or what passed for such in the topmost story of the principal hotel while in montgomery i dined at dr scott's in company with a number of tennessee friends among whom were colonel battle late in command of the twentieth tennessee and then state treasurer colonel ray secretary of state general dunlap comptroller henry watterson and albert roberts who then edited the montgomery mail colonel battle followed me after i left the house and handed me a roll of bills which he begged me to accept from colonel ray general dunlap and himself to assist me in the defraying my expenses the money came very opportunely and i thanked him very heartily for i had not five dollars in my pocket at the time i took a steamer for selma the vessel was crowded to excess in the cabin on the deck and all about the guards still i had a much pleasanter night than i anticipated on the floor of the cabin at selma i met the rev dr ticknor who handed me a letter from my dear friend the bishop of alabama containing a check for five hundred dollars which he begged me to accept for my own comfort i left for demopolis at eight the following morning in company with captain wickham and my friend major thomas peters formerly of general polk's staff at demopolis i had the pleasure of seeing the rev john w beckwith who had officiated with me at the funeral of general polk and who was afterwards to become the bishop of georgia continuing on our journey we sailed down the tombigbee river to the terminus of the railway where we took cars and started for meridian mississippi it was a most tedious trip on the river taking up about ten hours to make fifty miles and when we reached the cars we found them crowded to excess i stopped at macon mississippi to visit captain yates who had lost his leg at atlanta and to whom i had ministered there i met the heartiest of welcomes and found the captain greatly improved and getting about a little on crutches his nephew who had lost a leg at murfreesboro was visiting him i started off from macon with abundant supplies furnished by mrs yates among which were two roast turkeys a ham and all the etceteras when the train came along i found major winter of the engineers in the car with his baggage and implements he kindly invited me to a seat and i had a comfortable ride to okalona mississippi it having been decided not to go forward until general chittam could be heard from captain wickham captain bradford and i went to columbus mississippi where i was very cordially received by bishop green of mississippi wednesday the sixteenth of november having been set apart by the president of the confederate states as a day of supplication and prayer for god's blessing on our cause i officiated in st paul's church columbus and preached from the text think not that i am come to send peace on earth i came not to send peace but a sword general chatham telegraphed me to go forward so i left west point mississippi on the nineteenth of november in a car loaded with corn the party on our car included brigadier general quarles sterling cockrell of nashville captains shute wickham bradford jones Merritt, and colonel young of the forty ninth tennessee regiment besides some ladies and young people 
the day wore away pleasantly enough in such company and about eight o'clock at night we reached corinth mississippi where the rev mr markham an excellent presbyterian minister from new orleans shared my blankets with me here we had information that general sherman was making his way to the seaboard and was within thirty miles of macon georgia captain wickham and myself passed on with others and at half-past four in the evening of thursday the twenty-second of november we crossed the line into tennessee in consequence of the wretched condition of the roads and the rough weather we had had a hard time of it i made my way with all possible speed through mount pleasant to ashwood and to the house of my dear friend general lucius polk such greetings as i received how i thanked god for the friends he had given me general chalmers and his staff were guests at general polk's and the next day we had many happy meetings all day long there was a constant stream of visitors to hamilton place the residence of general polk general hood and governor harris came early in the day as did also general cheatham then came general john c brown general gibson general bate handsome frank armstrong and general waddle who with his staff spent the night with us i offered a special prayer of thanksgiving to god for our return to tennessee and the following day was one of supreme enjoyment i did not move out of the house but just rested and tried to realize that i was once more in tennessee on the twenty seventh advent sunday i had morning prayer at the residence of general lucius polk and baptized two children making a record of the same in the parish register on the following day our forces entered columbia i accompanied them and found the good people of the town in a state of the wildest enthusiasm almost the first person i met was my dear friend the rev dr pease who went with me to call on several families these were days of great hopefulness general beauregard telegraphed to general hood that sherman was making his way rapidly to the atlantic coast and urged hood to advance to relieve general lee general hood proposed to press forward with all possible speed and said to me confidentially that he would either beat the enemy to nashville or make the latter go there double quick so the race began to see who would get to nashville first that night the enemy was still on the opposite side of duck river but it was thought he would withdraw next morning at all events our forces were to cross at daylight general hood urged me to go with the ambulance when he told me good-bye i prayed god's blessing guidance and direction upon him thank you doctor he replied that is my hope and trust and as he turned away he remarked the enemy must give me fight or i will be in nashville before to-morrow night general chetham and general stuart crossed duck river at sunrise general lee shortly afterwards there was considerable shelling of the town and colonel beckham was wounded but no lives were lost by wednesday the enemy had all withdrawn our forces had crossed over and the wagons were crossing i crossed the river at two o'clock with major john green of south carolina and dr phillips of hoxton's artillery we met on the road several hundred prisoners going to the rear at spring hill we heard that the federal commanders were in a sad way general stanley had been heard to say i can do nothing more i must retreat three trains of cars were burned by the federals at this place very much has been said about the confederates lost opportunity as it is called at spring hill and general chetham has been faulted for not doing something very brilliant there that would have changed the whole complexion of affairs 
it is said that he failed to give battle when the enemy was marching along the road almost under the campfires of the main body of our army during the war and after its close i was brought into such intimate association with general b f chetham that i learned to appreciate his high character he was a man of admirable presence in manner he was free without frivolity cheerful kind-hearted and ever easy of access he was a gentleman without pretensions and a politician without deceit a faithful friend and a generous foe strong in his attachments and rational in his resentments he was clear in judgment firm in purpose and courageous as a lion he was fruitful in expedients prompt in action and always ready for a fight he won victory on many a well-contested field but best of all he ruled his own spirit he participated in the greater number of battles in the war with mexico and in the civil war he won distinction and promotion at belmont shiloh perryville murfreesboro chickamauga and on many fields besides he exhibited the most perfect self-possession the utmost disregard of peril he possessed in an eminent degree the indispensable quality of a soldier which enabled him to go wherever duty or necessity demanded his presence he understood thoroughly that it was better that a leader should lose his life than his honor i have every confidence in the statement he once made during my services as a soldier under the flag of my country in mexico and as an officer of the confederate armies i cannot recall an instance where i failed to obey an order literally promptly and faithfully major saunders of french's division has said the assumption that schofield's army would have been destroyed at spring hill and one of the most brilliant victories of the war achieved had it not been for the misconduct of chetham is one of the delusions that has survived the war no circumstance or incident that his strategy developed can be found that justifies the attacks made on the military reputation of general chetham my own opinion has always been that general chetham was in no way at fault in his conduct at spring hill and this opinion has been strengthened by the letter from governor harris to governor james d porter dated may twenty eighteen seventy seven and the brief letter from general hood to chetham dated december thirteenth eighteen sixty four both recently published in southern historical papers volume nine page five thirty two i baptized general chetham confirmed him officiated at his marriage and it was my sad privilege to say the burial service over him he died in nashville tennessee september fourth eighteen eighty six his last words were bring me my horse i'm going to the front just before moving toward franklin general strahl came to me and said i want to make you a present and presented me with a splendid horse named the lady polk i used the horse throughout the remainder of the war and at its close sold her and with the money erected in st james church boulevard tennessee a memorial window to general strahl and his adjutant lieutenant john marsh both of them killed in the fearful battle of franklin both of these men i had baptized but a few months previously and both were confirmed by bishop elliot End of chapter eleven